it's really important for people to realize that all of us have the ability to change someone's life and you don't need to be in a position to be a leader. Welcome everyone to Do Well and Do Good. You're here because you have the desire to create financial freedom, but you also want to make a powerful positive impact on the world. This podcast exists to tell the inspiring stories of men and women who have achieved both, people who do well and do good. I'm your host, Dorothy Ilson, and I'm here to help you discover proof that individuals have the ability to make a massive impact. Hey, welcome back to the show. This is episode 45, and I am thrilled that you are here because I actually have something kind of different and fun for what is normally my solo show on Thursdays. It's not going to be a solo show today, and that's because I'm currently in Gulfport, Florida on a little getaway with my sister and one of my brothers. And one of my brothers, Clarence Picard, he is actually in his 13th season as head rugby coach at St. Bonaventure University. He's spent 10 seasons with the men's team, and now he's in his third year coaching the women's rugby team full-time. And we were having a chat this morning about what makes an effective leader. You know, what are some of the lessons that he has really picked up on during over a decade of, of coaching and you know, how those lessons are actually applicable to all of us, whether we are playing sports or whether we are simply trying to work within a team at our jobs. And so I decided to actually invite Clarence onto the podcast today to share some pieces of that conversation with you and really talk about, you know, how each one of us can be more effective as a leader. So Clarence, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, Dorothy, I'm so excited to be here. You yourself are so inspirational putting this message out. So I'm really excited to share with your listeners. I appreciate it. Well, you know, Clarence, as you know, in late 2017, I actually came to St. Bonaventure and got the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with some of your players, talking to them about entrepreneurship and, you know, and giving them some career advice. And one thing that I noticed in talking to your players is that, you know, as a coach, you're obviously focused on the success of your team on the pitch. But what became abundantly clear to me is that you're equally interested in the success of these people off of the rugby pitch, you know, helping these women to develop confidence, character, you know, really life skills that go far beyond rugby. So, you know, as I mentioned, I really do believe that great leadership doesn't discriminate, you know, as to whether you're on a sports field or, you know, in the conference room at your office, these lessons are equally applicable. So, you know, what do you think it is that makes a leader effective in motivating a team of people to accomplish a shared goal? Yeah, Dorothy, I think that word you used right at the end, shared goal is the most important thing. It starts with a vision and whether that's a vision that the leader themselves selected and they wanted to build up from there and assemble their own team, or it's a shared vision like a family or like a sports team where you organically over time develop what your goals are and the process you want to go through. It starts with having a clear ability to communicate to all the members of what you're striving for and what their roles are. And I think when you have that clear definition of what you're doing and what you're working toward, as a group, we become much more capable of striving and wanting to work together and 
really reach our peak performance, whether that's in business or team sports or as a family. With my team at St. Bonaventure, especially, we have a really great sense of camaraderie and love for each other. And that inspires people to go the extra mile and basically lay their bodies on the line in the sport of rugby for each other. But that goes with business. People are putting in a tremendous amount of hard work and you know, working overtime to achieve whatever goals they may have there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone really does need to buy in. You know, is that something that you think comes from the players as individuals or is getting that buy-in from everyone? Is that the responsibility of the leader? I think that's a great usage of the concept buy-in and like respect. It's not something that you can just instantly demand, but it's something that is earned over time and it's something that's built up over time. So with a team specifically and with leadership, it's really that leader's responsibility to create other leaders and people that want to help drive that mission forward. So we never can work in isolation. And ultimately, the most rewarding accomplishments people have in life, whether it's winning a championship together or you know their business becoming a success or their family being tight-knit and growing together, I think it takes, as I mentioned, clear communication from the leader at the start, but it, over time, it takes everyone stepping up and pushing the team forward, clearly stating what's driving them. And as the team members see how important it is for the leaders and how worthwhile the vision is to pursue, it's a natural progression where everyone wants to strive together and achieve their goals. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm curious, obviously a a really good leader is someone who can cater their leadership style to the people that they're working with, you know, making sure that the strategies that you are using to, you know, push things forward and, you know, make sure that everyone is aligned and working together is going to depend in a large way on, you know, the individual personalities of the people on your team and, you know, what what that dynamic looks like as a whole. So, you know, I'm curious, having spent a decade coaching men exclusively, and now this is your third year um, coaching the women's rugby team at St. Bonaventure, has there been, you know, really noticeable difference in how you show up as a coach for the women's team versus the men's team? You know, how has that played out? And, you know, what can we draw from that as, you know, leaders of, you know, varied groups of people who might respond differently to different tactics? That's a question I get asked a lot. So I've been developing the answer over the last two and a half years, honestly. First, I just want to say that I'm very fortunate to coach college age people in general. It's a very transformative time in life. So whether it's men or women, you really do have the opportunity to make a huge impact on their worldview and what drives them and how they go about the rest of their lives. So in that sense, it's very similar. I think from coaching women, I was challenged early on with the why. I think a lot of coaches would say that coaching women, they do they are more eager to understand the context of situations and understand why you're going through a certain process where young men are generally trained to go about the yes or no sir approach in sports 
However, I think as the current generation grows up and it's only going to continue down the road, we can't get away with that anymore where the coach is providing the instruction and it's the young people's responsibility to respond and carry out their orders. So what I learned from coaching the women at Bonaventure was that you really have to have conversations about understanding why someone wants to be a part of an organization, what they're trying to get out of it, what they need from you as the leader, and then it becomes your responsibility to provide that. So with the women, I really did learn that there are a lot of different reasons you want to be a part of a sports team where I guess I just took for granted as a man myself, coaching men, we all just were in it for very similar reasons. The classic sense why anyone would join a team, the camaraderie, the, you know, the thrill of victory, the hard work. Coaching the women, I really started to recognize the amount of confidence building that goes into it and the personal growth that challenging sports can take people at that age in life and help them get through other challenging times. And so to kind of wrap that answer up, did I change from coaching men to women? Yes, absolutely. I became, you know, quote unquote, softer in a lot of ways and probably more respectful, to be perfectly honest. However, if I went back to coaching men, I wouldn't change to going back to how I was. I think I really have become a better coach because I was forced out of my comfort zone to analyze situations differently, to realize that how you treat people makes such a huge difference in the results you get that it's worth going the extra mile of just being there for people, again, communicating clearly what you need out of them and clearly what their role is on the team so they can perform without anxiety or questions in their mind of, is this what coach meant? Or is this what the team needs out of me? Or am I doing my job? When people have that clear communication and are comfortable in their role, they have the sense of freedom and they're able to excel in what they're doing. And I guess if uh, getting it, like I said, getting out of my comfort zone and coaching women forced that out of me. But now I clearly recognize times in the past when I was coaching the men where maybe if I had used a softer touch or maybe if I had had a conversation with someone and then instead of assuming their motives, things would have gone a little more smoothly and we could have maybe not been more successful, but definitely more efficient in pursuing that success and definitely made it a more enjoyable process, to be perfectly honest. Right. You know, obviously there's a fine line, especially in a work environment between staying professional, but also, you know, having an interest in the people on your team as people. And I think that the more that you can connect with someone on a personal level and understand, you know, what's driving them, what's important to them, you know, why do they do what they do? It can only make you more impactful in, you know, helping to push forward with a shared goal and helping to make sure that everyone is, you know, not only, you know, continuing to contribute to the mission, but that they're also growing as individuals. I think the job of a leader is really twofold. You know, it is to help to press forward and accomplish that stated goal, but it is also to to really show the people on your team the power that they have to, you know, impact change, the power that they have to really make a difference. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and I think there's a sense that leadership is only good. So, being a leader is the end goal, but I would take it a step further and say there are definitely good and bad leaders. 
And so everyone has the power to be a leader. And some people, if they're not communicating effectively or they're communicating in a negative manner, will take things in the wrong direction. So it's all of our responsibilities on a team or in a business or in a family group to not just be a leader, but to be a positive leader and try to bring the best out of each other. And really, especially as I mentioned, working with college students, athletics are a part of the education. It's not to get away from the academic setting, in my opinion, but it's to give us a different approach to our education. And I'm a big believer that the things we learn as a part of competitive sports teams or whatever it may be, it could be a a debate club or any organization, you know, an advertising group, the mock trial, all these settings provide young people with opportunities to communicate with each other, be in challenging positions, overcome those challenges and grow So when they're in another setting in the future, hopefully they have some experience to, you know, set a good example for their team members and lead them. I completely agree with that. And one thing that I'm curious about is, you know, you mentioned there are good leaders and bad leaders. There are also obviously good teammates and bad teammates. So what about conflict? You know, when you do have a group, you know, that that needs to work together, but there is, you know, either discord between individual members or, you know, there's negativity that is, you know, really impacting the team in in a powerful way. How do you deal with those things as the leader and, you know, right the ship as you as you could say? Yeah, I love that question. I think one of the actual differences of how I changed from going from coaching men to coaching women is as I mentioned, I probably softened up a little bit, but you do need a certain sense of ruthlessness as a leader. And that may not be a popular thing to say, but ultimately at the end of the day, you're making decisions for a lot of people. And specifically in my job, it's important that we recruit students to the school. It's important that you know these students are in an environment where they can grow and they're not being stifled or they're not being given anxiety from the team, either due to you know, my leadership approach or other members of the team or whatever it may be. So I think having the tough conversation is probably one of the most important aspects of leadership communication. You can't let negativity fester. You can't let, you know, bad blood continue on between team members. When you're the leader, you need to be willing to have those uncomfortable conversations. And as soon as you recognize these conflicts, whether it's to call a meeting or pull people aside literally at practice and speak directly to them and remind them what their role is on the team, remind them how we need to treat fellow members of the team and essentially get those issues out in the open so they can be talked about and so you can begin the process of coming to terms with disagreements naturally in a sport like rugby, but again, in any of these team settings, there's going to be disagreements. There's going to be varying approaches to how to do things. There's going to be, frankly, there's going to be people having a bad day. And sometimes, you know, there could be a great person and they just had, they bombed a test or something is going on at home. So by having that conversation, you can quickly learn what the issue is. And there's not the 
questioning as time goes on of, oh, why has coach been mad at me? Or why does the captain speak to me so harshly? Or why aren't I able to focus at practice when we can have these conversations and become comfortable with those uncomfortable situations? It only helps us as we go through the process of improving because without fail, when you get to game time or when it's time to make the big business pitch, you're going to need to have gone through adversity already. And the point of, again, the point of sports teams, I think, is to put young people in situations to learn how they respond to stress, to learn who they can count on, and to learn how to work with each other to get the results that they want, you know, on the field, but also in life. Very well said. I mean, I think one thing I want to point out that you mentioned in there is you know, becoming comfortable with uncomfortable situations, uncomfortable conversations, and really being able to address things directly rather than letting them fester. And you know, so much of this comes down to empathy, really, which I think is is something that you know, obviously, you know, you're you're my brother. I've known you my entire mm-hmm. life, and so you know, I know that that is a quality that, you know, you really have in spades. And I do think that, that that is part of what makes you, you know, such a phenomenal coach. You know, the reason that you're now able to live out your dream life of coaching full time and, and being able to impact these people's lives. So, you know, Clarence definitely want to thank you for taking the time to come on the show today and share some of these lessons. I hope that, you know, everyone who is listening to this can, you know, recognize that, you know, these lessons, you know, while they come from sports are applicable in every area of our life where we need to work with other people. And so, you know, if you can take, um, you know, take these qualities that make an effective leader and, you know, apply them in all of your interactions with people, you're going to be so much more successful um, regardless of the goal. It's really important for people to realize that all of us have the ability to change someone's life. And, You don't need to be in a position to be a leader just by opening up to someone, just by clearly communicating how, why they're important, why you want them in your life, why you care about them, becoming comfortable with telling the people that you love that you love them and becoming comfortable with telling your teammates that they're really important to you helps you as a leader, but it just helps you as a, regardless of the role you're in, whether it's the newest person on the team or, you know, the old veteran. Amazing. Well, I can't think of a better way to wrap up the show than that. So Clarence, thanks again for being here. Thank you everyone who is listening. As always, so grateful for your time and your attention. And I'll see you back here next week.